Out of Matthew 5, I want to look at the examples of being salt and light today. And uh, a little bit later, I'll share one of the encounters I had with this passage this week. Um, just, I want you to know in regard to salt that the ancients considered it much more valuable than what we do. And often people were even paid in salt. Uh, that's where we get our word salary from. And so it, it was very precious to them. But Jesus uh, uses it for illustration purposes. And let's look at the first one. You are like salt for everyone on earth. But if salt is no longer taste like salt, how can it make food salty? All it is good for is to be thrown out and walked on. Uh, out of Mark 9, it says, Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make yourself salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. So he links this idea of relationship and a, a healthy relationship and says that's, that's a, an association with salt. Uh, Luke 14, salt is good, but if it has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no, of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile, is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Um, several things. Salt, is, its effect is invisible in whatever it, it's in, right? I mean, when you taste food that's salty, you don't see it, but you know that it's there. And in some ways, this is like the unseen work of what God does in our hearts transforming us, transforming our character, changing who we are, it's going to have effect on others if we let it have its run its natural course. Uh, it's used for taste, but it's also used to preserve, and it's used uh, even as fertilizer. This is something I hadn't known until this week when I was looking at this again. Apparently, the ancients used it on their soil. They used it uh, in certain settings to make things more fruitful, and it actually allowed nutrients to have more impact with that salt. Uh, we're used to thinking of salt flats where nothing grows, but in, mini in doses, it actually becomes a very valuable thing. And even, as was mentioned here, they used to toss it on manure piles if they didn't want them to ferment too quickly. So they could use it later for their soil. So there was a mending quality that we've forgotten, but they knew about. And Jesus, in some ways, is using this illustration. So taking that a step further, then, if we say adding salt to the soil actually brings it into fruitfulness and into health, what are our lives supposed to be with those around us? When we see situations that aren't healthy or we see situations that need some kind of impact, then Jesus is saying that should be the effect of our lives on others as well. Um, the challenge is not to become tasteless or useless. You know, not to, in a sense, to so cloud what the work of God is associated with our lives that it has no impact in, our, in, in who we are as people, but also how we affect those around us. Colossians says this, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Make the use of the time. 
Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Paul just has gotten done asking them to pray for him that he would have powerful witness to those around. And then he says, you also make sure that you're, you're salty, so to speak. Make sure that there's, your speech has this impact of graciousness and wisdom in others' lives. Let's go to the next one. Shining like a light. Um, again, you are like a light for the whole world. A city built on top of a hill cannot be hidden. No one would light a lamp, put it under a clay pot. A lamp is placed on a lampstand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Make your light shine so that others will see the good that you do and will praise your Father in heaven. Um, again, in reading about light, the declaration is made, light is energy. It's nature's way of transporting energy across our universe. So that said, if we are the light of the world, what is it? That's the, the power of God should be demonstrated through our lives. There should be impact because of what God has done in us, the energy that he has brought to us. In a sense, this work of the Spirit is to have a transforming effect, a powerful effect that changes our setting and our situation. Um, were this, there is other verses, you know, that you wouldn't put a light in a jar, you wouldn't put it under a bed, you wouldn't put it in a basket, it's made to shine. Uh, we get that. But it's like, okay, if this is what my life is to be, what is the true effect of, of God's transformation and how is that supposed to be effective? Now, we automatically go to our character is supposed to be transformed. We talk about the fruit of the Spirit, right? And we talk about the transformation of a life that, that starts to live in light. But there's, there's more to it than that because even in, even in this illustration, I remind you that the world was, according to Genesis 1-2, without form and void, darkness covered everything. And God says, let there be light. And he saw that it was good. Light transformed the darkness. And so in that regard, if we live in a dark world, we live in a world that needs Christ, we live in a world that needs transformation, we live in a world that's under Satan's rule and darkness, what is the effect of our life supposed to be? What is, what is the power of our life supposed to be? It's not just making good statements, right? Right? But there's actually supposed to be an energy that transforms and brings light. What? Okay. Where this impacted me in some ways this week was that uh, I went to a, a pastor's retreat. And quite honestly, in, in recent years, I haven't gone needing, so to speak. You know, what we've had has been good enough, and, and what we've had has been wondrous to me, and what God has been doing in me has been good, you know, and so usually go into those settings going, well, this is great, you know, but I'm not necessarily looking for anything. This time around, I felt like I needed something. It just, you know, there's an awareness that I feel dry, so to speak, 
And one of the things I was challenged by, and I went there specifically because there is a man there who is functioning in some of what I feel God has spoken to my heart, but I'm not seeing it at this stage. And, and so I went there, and I was listening to him, and, and he, he brought out some things that, that stirred me, and, and I want to put it out to you. My primary gift is teaching within the body. That, I, and it conveys itself in virtually everything I do. If you and I go do something else, you know, if we do something in construction, I'm going to tell you the best way to do it and how to, you know, as much as I know. I love figuring out things and then putting that out. If we sit down for a meal, I'm going to talk to you about nutrition. If we, you know, it's just part of who I am. This guy brought out the illustration. He says, in Jesus' day, the religious community was controlled by teachers. They understood the Bible. They had it memorized, the Old Testament. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, the Pharisees believed in miracles. They just didn't walk in them. They, the Sadducees were worse off. They didn't believe it. You know, they were just into promoting this is what the Scripture says, this is how we live. But the illustration he brought out, and this is a guy who had been an academic dean for a couple colleges, says one day he's driving along and, and God says, are you a Pharisee? And he has this aha moment where he realizes he has not walked in the fullness of what God calls us to as a people. And I'm looking at that, and I'm going, okay, you know, there are times when I feel completely comfortable giving someone a word. I feel completely comfortable speaking, you know, insightful words into things. I, I, teaching is, again, one of those things I love, working in the Scripture, bringing it out. But I still have a confidence that God has given me some dreams of things that I haven't seen yet. And there's a tendency with, when dreams are delayed to just kind of, well, maybe it was just an illustration to get me to this place or functioning in a level of unbelief that says, maybe it's just not going to happen. And I, I realized I don't have that right in the Lord because he hasn't told me this is not for you. And, and so when I, you know, in my initial call here, I've only had a, a couple of what I would call out-and-out -out visions in life. One of them was coming here, and one day I, I was in a worship service in the church that I'd been serving in, and during worship time, I'm either worshiping or I'm thinking about my sermon. Nothing else gets in the way. It just doesn't. I'm focused, I'm honed in, and uh, now I admit sometimes I'm not worshiping. I'm preaching in my mind. <laughs> But uh, on, on the day that when God was working a call toward here, I, had a, I thought of the UP, which is strange, down in Illinois. And it was a black region with little flames in each town. Now, when I got here, that was significant to a number of people because many people have had a similar vision. And then I'm going, okay, I haven't seen that fulfilled yet. But there's a tendency to just say, okay, well, we're waiting. 
You know, when it comes, it comes. There's that, in a sense, becomes a form of unbelief after a while. It becomes a, a just a, well, a disappointment. You know, a, 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 I hope I live to see it thing, you know. But it doesn't, it doesn't allow for the aggressive chasing, even though you're going out on a limb and saying, I'm going to keep pursuing this till it happens and keep declaring and acknowledging what's supposed to be. That, that's one of the dreams I, I felt like the Lord had given me, uh, or vision. I, it was daytime, and it was while I was awake, so I, you can call it whatever you want. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to call it, the teacher. <laughs> um, the other was many years ago, I was standing in a service, and it... Um, it was such a powerful moment in me that I, I saw like a, a large platform and people as far as the eye could see. And I was praying for healing and blessing because it was, there were too many that needed help without, you couldn't get to them one-on-one. I don't think I was center stage. I don't think I was the main person, so to speak, but I was a part of it. And I remember that's when I began praying blessing at the end of our services. You know, some of you have said that's an important part of what we do. Um, it, was, it was never a part of my practice until then. I thought, well, I've got to start applying what I know to do now. And so that's how that became incorporated into part of what I've done over, in fact, the whole time I've been here. Um, that said... That whole issue of miracles is something that's very frustrating to me in praying in regard to healing. Because I can pray for hundreds of people, and every now and then somebody gets healed. And I don't always have a sense when it's going to happen, and I just, you know, there's that frustration that says, this isn't here yet. But going back to when Jesus sent out the 72... Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. He was saying that the kingdom of God is here among us. And he was saying this is, in effect, a sign of the kingdom that is driving back the rule that Satan has on this earth. Right? I mean, we look at sickness and we look at um, demon possession, we look at death all being associated with sin. And Jesus sent them out saying, I'm giving you the power to conquer this. Now, it's easy for us to move to a place where it's just a satisfaction of, let's know our Bible really well. <laughs> let's, let's make sure we got all the verses learned. But the question is, how does that differ from the religious circles of the day that Jesus walked into and they didn't even recognize him when he was with them? So the challenge becomes, are we actually moving in a, a legitimate form of the gospel 
Or are at times we just satisfying ourselves to say, well, I, I have a good understanding of Scripture as far as the verses. I remind you, this church was started in some ways through a miracle. A person had been to healing meetings in the Chicago area and had gone, come back to the Appleton Oshkosh area, if I, I remember this right, and one of the people out of our group had gone down there, been inspired by it, come back, and a man named Eldon Carlson had a healing, a little boy at that time, he's, he's already, he's gone, he, he died, he was old, you know, but that healing in the Carlsend area started a group growing, and that really is the roots of our church and uh, North Iron. Both of those were started out of that influence of the gospel many, many years ago. I think it was back in the 30s. So if that's how we started, can we be satisfied if we aren't participant in a continuing development of the gospel that way? And, you know, you realize, well, we can't force those things. Yes, but we can continue to press into the Lord until we see the fullness of all that we believe he has for us. You know, for me, it was one of those moments where I'm going, I feel like in myself I've done, I've dealt with the sin that I'm aware of in regard to my life. Now, there's always things coming up that he exposes and I'm going, okay, I guess you want me to take care of this now. But for today, I'd have to say, okay, I've taken care of, for the most part, the things that he's declared in me. But I don't always walk in the intimacy of relationship that's available, where I'm saying, I need this every day in you. I need to know that I've had contact with him, so to speak or that I'm walking moment by moment with his eyes that see things as he sees them. And it's like one of those challenges to come back and say, I don't know how healing will take place through my life. This is personal. I'm not trying to just put this on you. I'm just saying, I don't know when the fullness of what I believe he's told me will happen. I don't know how that's going to take place. But I know that you deal with the sin in your life, but you also commit yourself to walking in this intimacy with the, the presence of God so that you respond as he would respond when you see the issues that he wants you to see. One of the associations with this light is a, a verse that has confused me some because it's as if you're eye has light in it, or if it, your eye sees properly, uh, then that light will be great in you. And I've always thought, well, going in, but part of this is the idea of, do I see things as heaven sees them? When I'm in the community, am I seeing things through his eyes? And if I'm not at that place, at least I need to acknowledge it and say, God, 
Allow me to see things as you see them. Allow me to see others as you see them. Allow me to see what you want to do in your goodness and your mercy in this situation. You know, regularly we walk into things and we go, oh, isn't that a shame? Thank you, God, that's not my life. There's not a true compassion. It's just a, oh, thank God, I've been brought out of that. Well, that's not really how Christ sees it. You know, he's pleased that we're walking with him, but he's not necessarily excited that we have no sense of urgency regarding that life that's falling apart. And so, you know, if we're going to have light, his light, truly coming through us, there's got to be a willingness to see things as he sees them and a calling out for his presence in us till we actually respond that way. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the deep darkness on them, the light is shown. This is the same passage that talks about Christ coming and and the effect of his kingdom, so to speak. That he is, there is going to be a day when, when things change. And of course, that came through Christ. But they also, um, in the same book of Isaiah, chapter 58, you know, there's a discussion of fasting, and he's going, it's not just this getting rid of food stuff. But he says, what, this is a fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness. Let the oppressed go free, to share your bread with the hungry, to take the homeless into your house, to give the naked cover. He says, then your light will break forth like the dawn. And then he goes and he continues. If you say, here, am I, here I am, you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of wickedness, and pour yourself out for the hungry, the afflicted. Your light will rise into darkness. Your gloom will be as the noonday. And so when Jesus came and he's saying, let your light shine, what is he asking of us? It's not just a verbal declaration every few weeks. You know, say, well, I took care of that. But it's a living with the eye that sees heaven, what heaven sees, and a willingness to involve ourselves in every facet of life. Luke 11, be careful lest the light of you in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright. And a lamp, its rays give you light. Ephesians 5, I want to read this as, as I close. For one time you were in darkness. You are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good, right, and true. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. We are called to to walk as Christ walked. 
We are called to participate in a life of the Spirit that sees things through heaven's eyes and actually brings change. Both in the salt and the light illustrations, they impact others. And if we acknowledge that we live in a dark world, that we live in, in a world that has been under Satan's thumb, our destiny in the Lord is to drive that back. Our destiny is to bring healing and hope, well-being to others. Our destiny is to walk in all that Christ has called us to. So, <laughs> I look at that and I'm going, I definitely need to keep pressing. I need to keep chasing this thing in the Lord, so to speak. It's not a time to back off. It's not a time to be satisfied. It's not a time to walk in discouragement. It's not a time to let go of faith. It's a time to step forward in the Lord. I thought it was significant that Ryan was here today. I don't know where you are. You downstairs? <laughs> it was significant that he was here. <laughs> I, I still remember that him sitting right there one morning when we're praying, and his knees healed. And, you know, the, the excitement that came into him and those around in that moment of just going, God did something here. God, God brought a change, you know. He, he took something that we couldn't fix and knew something was wrong but had no power of ourselves, but but God did it. And I think, you know, we have to look at that, things like that, and just say, let's not delude ourselves and slip back into just a teaching form or an understanding form. But let's say that the fruit of light and the fruit of salt has an impact that goes beyond the natural. And we need to keep pressing and participating in that. God, let it be. <laughs> I'm going to pray for God's blessing on you. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to live as salt and light in this world. May they see with your eyes and then accomplish your deeds. We ask that as they go out into the community that you give them words of life to speak over others. We ask that you enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day.